Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. That Iowa ass Bama team. That's just a cold open. That Iowa ass Bama team. Uh, so good. <laughs> and that's what they are. Chris Marler yeah. of Saturday Down South, of Saturday Football Uncensored, everything Texas Pete all the time. You've got the te- overalls on here, Chris. You've got the board behind you. You got the corgi. You drinking a Celsius or a White Claw right now? Celsius. Celsius. Mm. It's been a long okay. day. It's been a long day. Does caffeine not affect you? No. I was prescribed Adderall for a very long time. I still mm. am. I don't take it anymore. Um, yeah. Because I'm 37. And I feel like it's just like at some point you can't be taking all that shit. Excuse my language. I don't know if we're allowed to cuss. My no, bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just, I stopped taking it. But like, you know, if you've been like prescribed that since like college, I probably shouldn't even be talking about this. I don't know. <laughs> like, but yeah, no, I, I just like finally had to stop because I was like, it's just like, I, I don't like it. It's like, it makes mm. me like less of who I am. So I just yeah. drink more caffeine now. So. Okay, it's but it doesn't dark. affect you. Like, it doesn't keep you up all night. No, 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 not at all. I never got in the Celsius game. I see more and more people. The first person who, uh, funny enough, who had Celsius, where I was like, what is that? It was Tom Crean when I had him on last yeah. year. Tom Crean was just pounded Celsius, and uh, I think he had two in the interview. It was just one of those. Like, I, right. I like, 
I've like cut it back, but I was like mm-hmm. at one point this summer, I was like, I was crushing like four or five a day, and I was like, you gotta, you gotta tone it down. <laughs> you gotta tone it down. You gotta live. Do you coffee day. too? No, no, no. This is like in place of coffee. Also, if I drink a coffee, I'll, I'll cut these out. Okay. Yeah. That, I can cut be out like, coffee. I can There's like, just no way. I mean, I love coffee, but at the same time, it's like, I'll just start my day with this. It's also, I'm like big into coffee when it's like cold. And now it's like starting to cool down a little bit. So I get on a mm. porch and drink some coffee. But in the summer when it's like a thousand degrees, I don't. Mm. Hmm. No. I don't know what kind of coffee drinker you would be. Like I could see very sugar cream guy. I could also see black. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, My go-to coffee order usually mm. is a medium non-fat latte with three to four extra shots so oh my god i know you know there's already shots in the mm-hmm. latte like it's already yeah. two espresso them. in there yeah yeah so how many ca- wait how i'm trying to do the math here you've got like the dan campbell order here yeah yeah so it's like four shots of ca- or of, of espresso yeah um but it's also it's diluted a little bit because of the, the yeah. milk um so this like, is like why you were so into Bama this summer is you took one of those before the pod and you were just seeing rainbows <laughs> and you're just like, actually, things are good. Um, you were yeah, just all vibes, no breaks. So, so much of that. I, you were. It seems like you're more right than I was so far. We'll see, though. We'll see. This week is going to be tough. I mean, this week, is that that's, I mean, the leading thing that I'm curious about because Tennessee, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, Tennessee Volunteers, pretty familiar with them. Um waxed they won the super bowl this weekend so that was cool uh have not uh gotten to see that uh, at this point uh, in mm-hmm. my uh sports fandom so that was cool enjoyed that uh but in terms of like texas a&m and alabama that's who we've got in the docket the next two weeks so um yeah. after this bye week you get a&m at home and then you go to bama <laughs> i mean we're just in the meat of the calendar and that just is really going to dictate where tennessee's going the rest of the way and i don't know what would you suggest if you're a Tennessee fan right now, Marler? And I know you've thought about it a lot of like, what if I was a Tennessee fan? I know that's something that you've had an inner monologue a lot in your life. You got the, you got the overalls. Hey, the, we like the checkerboard overalls. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's a different kind of deal here. But um, it just means more. Um, I just, I don't know which way to go because I'm going to be locked in watching it. I don't know if I want A&M to beat Alabama again for the mm-hmm. second time in a row at College Station or... Mm-hmm. I want Bama to look great to crush AM and yeah. then AM comes in limping following that kind of shellacking. Cause I don't think it goes any other way. Either Texas AM wins a squeaker yeah. or Bama really rolls AM. I think those are the only two options. Do you agree? No, I don't agree. I think I think there's a different route that I'm leaning towards. Um and but if you're a Tennessee fan, what I think you like, you always want Bama to lose if you're a Tennessee fan. And I think the thing is with this Bama team, mm. we haven't seen Bama lose two games this early in the season. We haven't seen them lose two games before November in since 2007. Mm. So you're in uncharted waters. You have a new quarterback. You have a team that like we don't know what this team is made of for Bama. And I think the defense is really, really good. But I think you're also going to start seeing if they lose another game. Like, I don't know if they have the same pride as last year's team did, where it was like, well, you know, we lost two games, but we want to finish out the season. We're going to play in the Sugar Bowl, that type of thing. Like, where they like the like the stars are going to play in the Sugar Bowl. I don't know if the team has this. I don't, I don't know any of that. And so I think if you're Bama or if you're a Tennessee fan, you want Bama to lose always, but especially now because they have, they might have a tendency to roll over and die. 
and I've said this since the beginning of the season, I think that if if they lose if they lose one, I can see them finishing the season without another loss. But if they lose two, I think they lose four. I mean, that's some Iowa ass Alabama right Don't there. If you lose four. two, you lose four. Don't start with me. I mean, if you lose to AM, Tennessee's absolutely walking in Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. I don't that's know absolutely that. happening. I don't know about that. I don't think you guys have the offense right now. I don't know. Wait, what, what are you missing here? Like, what, like, what do you like? We're not South Carolina for hold one. On, what was your favorite downfield throw from the South Carolina game? Marler? I, I don't know if I watched. We had that one. Left. I'll give you a hint. We had one. It was, was one looking. total and squirrel didn't even see it. <laughs> Is this the way he caught at his feet? Yes. That was he never saw it, which also was apparently not defensive pass interference somehow. Like some of the still images are just and we're I'm over in the end zone at that yeah. point. We're all just like apoplectic. And then we all realize that uh, he caught it anyway. So you're yeah. just like, oh, OK, I was I, now I'm going to use all this anger into celebration. And uh, yeah. God, just being I hate that you guys didn't get a call go your way in that end zone, especially in that stadium. I know that's tough, right? I know it's really tough for you guys to not get past interference calls like that because it could really change the outcome of a game. Well, it it's actually totally better when game. they're late. Like, I mm-hmm. prefer them more when it's like they I really enjoy it more when it uh-huh. feels like the, the game's over. And it yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. that was that was the I, and just, like, I don't know, say the guy who intercepts a pass is at the 40 yard line when it's the right. Like that, and yeah, that kind of stuff is crazy. Uh huh. Because then it just shows that, like, they really care. Yeah. The officials really yeah. want to get it right. <laughs> That's good. Um, no, I think so. What's crazy about that is like, and I, I make no bones about it. Like I'm not a huge Tennessee guy. Cause I don't, I think Tennessee fans have been largely rude to me always on, on mm. social media. And that's whatever, like outside of you, like I have to remind myself that you're a Tennessee fan, not, not even Michael Bratton who like I've worked with and known forever, but like, I'm like, okay, not all Tennessee fans are bad, but they, a lot of them are like, they wear like a badge of honor. That's whatever. Mm. I gotta say, man, this weekend, and I live in Columbia, South Carolina, but the the atmosphere in Neyland looked awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. just awesome. And so it was kind of cool. It was it was kind of cool to watch um, the squirrel white catch. My only thought on that, and this is going to make me sound old, but I'm not even making a joke. And I think there's probably some people, your listeners maybe that are around my age that thought the same thing. When I saw the replay of that, I was like, his back has to hurt so bad. <laughs> I can't, like, I can't imagine yeah. having to bend over like that. It was, yeah, it was really impressive, man. It was a really impressive win from start to finish. I kind of felt like that's one that if there was one game I knew they were going to win all season. It was going to be that one, though. Oh, no, it's it's Kentucky. Like, the, oh, Vanderbilt really? and Kentucky are the two that, like, before the year, death taxes, Josh Heupel beating a stoops. Like, that's, uh, that's, I, there, there's going to be Tennessee fans that, or Kentucky fans that always talk themselves into. Mm, I don't know. You got to go to Kroger Field. You know where there's not going to be an issue for Tennessee with uh, loud noises and snap count issues and being able to play with tempo on the road in the SEC? Kroger oh. Field is one of those <laughs> where that's not going to be an issue. Like oh, Tennessee well. struggles on the road at Georgia. They mm-hmm. struggle up the road at Alabama, Florida, where it gets loud. That's an issue. Yeah. Like, that was one of the biggest reasons they lost at Florida was Cooper Mays was out and Ollie Lane, uh, bet it, but left guard thrust into that role late. Huge. And it's just hard to get in your checks and change in place of the line. It's just loud and inexperienced uh, five-man unit. And it just got, it got away from him for a, uh, a multitude of reasons. But one of them is just crowd noise. This offense, I think, struggles yeah. with crowd noise. Um, it just messes with the tempo, messes with the whole offense. But that's not going to be an issue. Um, no, I mean, Kentucky. it's also, they're a long way from being a finished product. Like a lot of teams are. I don't know about that. Okay. 
I think they're pretty finished. <laughs> I like as someone who's watched every single snap and has gone back and watched. I was in the building on Saturday. Like, it's funny. Everybody likes Joe. Like, we all like mm-hmm. Joe personally. He stayed. He's the guy who stayed. That's all nice. But he is what he is. And I, I yeah. uh, my father-in-law, uh, he he made a comment after the game, and he was like, "You just got to give him. He's getting better as season goes on. You just got to give him time." I'm like. The thing is, it's like he's not a sophomore. He's not 19. Yeah. He's 24. Like he's mm-hmm. no, this is it. Like this is Joe Milton. Like it's right. It, we're not seeing a different version down the stretch here. We're not going to see the unlocked new age just <laughs> Hendon Hooker type. Like, I mean, just it's not going to happen. Like he's no. not going to suddenly start running the football a bunch. He's not going to suddenly start being super accurate in the intermediate. He's not su- none of that's happening. So I think this offense is actually pretty pretty done they know that it's jalen wright and dylan sampson jabari small that they're going to run the ball down your throat and then hope they do enough in that regard that they can set it up and take a couple deep shots a game but i think they are a finished product in the offense i think this is the most handicapped a josh heupel coach team has been since he's been a head coach i don't think if you go back through the just over the course of josh heupel coach teams i've never seen one this handicapped uh especially vertically there is no verticality to this game and i just don't see that coming i think they're they have their identity they're going to win at least eight or nine games playing that way yeah. it's just not going to be fun like it's not pleasant to watch uh, when player. it's not really working i I'd say well, i don't get it with the offense is this is like we've heard all offseason that milton can throw it a thousand yards right he can throw it as, as far as anywhere like farther than anyone else in the country hold on you say a thousand like milton has a good arm hold on let me write that down <laughs> but i mean like the thing is they don't do that with him. They only throw like these like really short, like behind the line of scrimmage, like, like screen passes. And like, they're still doing like the whole thing with the splits where they're like way out, like mm. near like the sideline. And I get that that still makes sense. Cause then it forces you to have like a light box, like for like the defense when you're trying to stop the run, which they run the ball, you know, first, but I, like, I, I just, I was, I'm shocked that they don't try to throw it deep more. Cause you still have a lot of speed at that receiving position. I, and I will say that like, I, I don't even want to get into this because I don't know if it's like a big enough deal, but like the Nico chance or Nico murmurs, like, is, is that even a thing? Is that even no. like, no, not at all. It's just easy to chant. And it's also like, Nico <laughs> just like, <laughs> that's just one of those where I said before the year, I'm like, part of the problem here is that Nico is so easy. Nico. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's easy. It, it's he an easy one to chant. You know, it was hard. Harrison Bailey. It's a tough one to chant. Oh Yeah. I miss the Harrison Bailey days, though. Oh, I was in the building when Joe Milton was airmailing bombs to uh, insert player name here, Javante Payton, uh, in the pick game where they lost at home and just fans were losing their mind. And just, the other thing, Joe's a lot better than what he was two years ago. Yeah, it's just he's a C minus. Like he's not. Yeah. There's no A minus coming. There's no A coming. There. Hinden Hooker was an A minus. Nico has the potential of being an A plus. Like Nico yeah. has the the A plus because like. <sighs> I love Hendon. Hendon was great for a multitude of reasons, but there was still a ceiling on what he could ultimately be. And you saw that in the Georgia game where it's just the playing outside of structure. It's one of the hardest things uh, for an elite quarterback. You you saw it the last two years of Bryce and how yeah. much you can take that for granted of guys who just the ball can bounce, go over their head. They just pick it up and then find a five yard completion. And you're just like, I have no idea how we didn't just give up a sack there. Like that right. was Bryce Young. And you just there are only a handful of those guys. Milton's just an all-time game manager, and I think that's just going to be what he is. I mean, Devin Leary is a game manager. I mean, Jalen Milrow. I mean, that's what I mean. That's what Bama wants to do is they yeah. want a game manager there. They don't want Jalen Milrow throwing picks in the end zone. Uh, they don't 
right? Like, are you comfortable with Jalen Milrow and what this identity is for Alabama now? Or do you still have some questions that they haven't figured it out and that people might be overreacting to blowing out Mississippi State? Oh, people are definitely overreacting to that. Because here's the thing. You look up at the end of that game and they gained 357 yards of offense. Mm. It's the fourth straight game. Hold on, the dogs about to start barking. Um, Pepper says hello. Great. Hey, Pepper. Um, so they, they've had they had four straight games with under 400 yards of offense, which is the only time that's happened in a regular season. Like it's happened one other time in a regular season since 2010. And that was, that happened in 2015. But like, you know, that you don't have what you had in 2015. You don't have a run game and an offensive line that you can just get behind that offensive line is not good. Like it, mm. it's like they, they continue to give up sacks. I think some of those fall on Milro and Milro Milro is a much better passer than people give him credit for, but he also is like, I, I still don't feel like until the Mississippi State game, he was put into a position to really do all the things he's good at. They, they had a few design runs. The first touchdown was not a design run, but like they had a few design runs and he has looked better in the passing game. He, and even in the intermediate passing game, which has been like something he's been critiqued for. He was four or four. I mean, he was 10 to 12 in that game for however, I think it was like 159 yards. But I think that's like, you're not going to beat A&M by by throwing the ball 12 times you're not mm. i mean you're gonna have to throw the ball at least 20 times and he's gonna have to have i would say 35 plays like whether it's a combination or 30 of, of like designed runs and and then passing i think he's got to have at least 30 i don't want to say touches because he's the quarterback obviously he touches the ball every time but like you're not gonna run the football and that's what alabama tried to do this weekend against mississippi state was we're gonna line up we need to get the offensive line going get the run game going and they were able to do that somewhat effectively, right? Like they were averaging like four and a half yards a, a, a carry, but like you're 11th or 12th in the SEC in yards per game. And that might not be a stat that like is important to a lot of people. And, you know, they still put up 40 points and that's what wins you games. It's not total yards, but that's a concern. Like, like I'm, I'm tired of Bama fans being like, oh, well, you know, they put up 40. That's all that matters. Like, no, it's not. Cause like you're playing Mississippi state. You should beat Mississippi state. To be honest, you should beat Mississippi state by 23 points every year. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have like the concern comes with like, okay, you beat USF 17 to three, then you beat Ole Miss 24 to 10. And I think it's really impressive that when you look at what Ole Miss did against LSU and put up like 55 points compared to 10, but like, damn, LSU put up 49 and you were only able to put up 24. And it was a struggle for a lot of it until the second half. There's a lot of concern there. And they now they got to go on the road where they've been poorly coached. They've made a lot of dumb mistakes. And I think the numbers on it's like, you look at last year on the road versus versus like home, they gave up an average of 178 yards more per game on the road. They had four more penalties per game for an average of 28 yards more for penalties per game on the road. And they they they've done that now for like you look at some of these numbers like from from like being on the road and like in tough SEC games. There was a while there in 20, 2019 at the end of the Auburn game, 2021, 2022, where you're not only like committing a bunch of penalties you're setting records like 13 for 130 i think against like florida or like 11 for 130 then you go to texas and you hit 15 it's the most under saving ever and then you top that like a few weeks later in knoxville it's like i you know now they gotta go to kyle field which is it, i don't know if it's even more difficult to play in but it's still gonna be a really tough place um what's your favorite uh texas a m fan tradition just like it is the weirdest group i think the my favorite thing is like is the awful guilt that i feel 
every time I make fun of them. And then mm. I see an infant who hears it. And I'm like, oh, I got him good. And he's like, hey, man, really funny stuff. Really <laughs> nice to meet you. Like, it's like, it is it's like if the Wiggles came to life and, and all went to a college football game. Like, they are, they're the nicest people. You mm. want to make fun of them behind their back. And then you can do it to their face, too. But they're just like, there's, there's a part of AM. Now, don't get me wrong. Like the 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 milkman costumes <laughs> and the finger waving and like the eighty five thousand bros putting arm in arm singing campfire songs, swaying back and forth is weird to me. Mm-hmm. But I do respect the fact that like you see people like at Auburn, you see people like at A and M, where it's like, hey, everyone knows that we or we all know that everyone thinks we're weird. Mm. We don't care. We're just this is who we are, and yeah. I respect that a little bit. Okay, what is what's your gut telling you? on how this weekend goes. So I think Bama loses. I think, wow. Um, I know. Well, listen, like I'm a Bama fan and I try to be like, every, I, I make no bones about that. Right. Like I, like I'm very honest about that. But I also think the fact that like, I try to be as logical and reasonable as possible about what I see. And I think when you look at this game, the things that worry me are this, a and the only team in the SEC. And I believe in the country that has scored on their first two possessions in every single game they've played so far this season. Hmm. Bama is not a team that's built to come from behind, I think, with this offense. So I think if they get down early, especially on the road, I don't think they're built to come from behind. The other part of it is the fact that everyone knows the AM recruiting classes, right? But like mm. the type of talent they've been able to amass on the defensive line is better than anyone else in the country. Better than Georgia, better than anyone else. I don't, I'm not saying developed. I'm saying recruiting-wise, the best defensive linemen, like they can go 9, 10, 11 deep on the defensive line without like batting an eye and they're really, really good. They're really physical. And this Bama offensive line is not a good offensive line. They've given up the second most sacks of any team in the SEC. You're, I mean, they've given up 20 sacks and that's only, they're only ahead of South Carolina who's given up 23. Then you look at a team like A&M who's coming off of back-to-back seven sack games where they also had 15 tackles for loss in both those games. Like that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and what has Bama struggled with the most on offense? It's not the turnovers from Jalen Milrow. It's, People constantly being in the backfield, and and I, I remember when when they played at against Texas, they gave up five sacks, and that's a concern always. But then they went to USF and they gave up five more sacks. I remember they said they were like, you know, on like the next week's broadcast, they're like, this is the only time since like 2007 or maybe ever, Bama offensive line has given up. Bama's offensive line has given up back to back games with five or more sacks, mm. and then they follow that up by giving up four apiece. In the next two. So not really marked improvement there. So I think that when they go to, to College Station and all the stuff I just talked about with like the, the trends that you've seen that have really become a pattern where they go on the road and they make a lot of pre-snap penalties. This is not an offense that is built to be in second and long and and like third and long. And they, they've done somewhat well against like some inferior teams with that. But like one thing about Tommy Reese's offense that drives me crazy is not like the lack of conversions on third down. Cause it's not that bad. It's the amount of third downs I get into. Hmm. And, and like before that Ole Miss game, he's talking about a team that was last in the sec and even getting to the red zone. And so I just, I don't know how this all plays out. I think the keys to Bama winning are you got to be plus two in the turnover margin, at least um, the special teams, which has been like knock on wood, like really good. Mm. They've made like the last 24 field goals. They've, they've been really good on the, like the, and punting and all that kind of stuff and, and pinning people deep. You got to have to do all that and like play perfect because I, I just, I mean, they've been, they've gotten just destroyed by Anaya Smith. 
like the last two years. He's had four touchdowns in the last two years combined. Evan Stewart has been a nightmare for them last year. So I just don't see how Bama keeps up. I think AM wins by a touchdown. We're in a totally different world if they go down. Because I think that happens. You're losing LSU, and I think you're also losing in Tennessee. Well, okay, we'll see. Eight and four. Like, I don't know. Does Saban come back after eight and four? I don't I don't know how he goes away at this point. Mm. I don't think he leaves it after eight and four. I think he's probably pretty upset. Yeah. Does Tommy so, Reese make it through? Does he do a one and done? God, Tommy Reese has been so bad. I spent $57 on Reese Nuts jersey or shirts that I made off of off of Etsy. It was a bad idea. Um no, does Murder Ball feel like forever ago? How long ago <laughs> does Murder Ball feel like? Like from this summer or like back in the day? No, this summer. Like how long ago does that optimism? We have smart national pundits like Bama's winning the title. Bama's just going to run over everybody. Now we're like, they're actually going to have two losses before November. I so And I think that is going to happen on Saturday. But I also thought they were going to lose to Texas by, by, I said 10 10 plus points all, all, like all summer. And they lost by 10 points exactly. And so I think that's what's going to happen with A&M. But also here's the other thing too is like, it's a bad recruiting been, double digit. Uh, that's a bad recruiting moment too. Like you losing but A and M and Texas in the same year. Yeah. I mean, mm. you, yeah, you also have 15 years of. I, I think that you're more excited. I think that, like a lot of fans. Mm. I'm not saying you're a fan, but I think there's a lot of people who are so excited and ready for everything to be over yeah. that they're like kind of talking themselves into it way faster than it probably is happening. In the same way that pundits are like, Saban smiled, game over game over mm. for everybody I, I i think that like i think both those things could probably be true at the same time yeah but i mean here's the thing like like what is what is your response going to be if bama comes out and wins on what if they win convincingly that's what they're supposed to do it's like that's what the money's for is like that's what i'm yelling at it's like bama you don't get props for beating a&m with their backup quarterback like that's not how this works like that's what you should be doing like you have they have people forget like there's this thing the blue chip ratio and the team blue chip composite rankings. And they are the all time most talented team we've ever seen in college football. This year? Yes. They have the most amount, like their amount of four and five stars is the most that we've ever seen. The most that are. See, but here's the thing too. And, and, and like, that's all fine. Cause I think that you can make, you can point to the lack of development in some spots and all that kind of stuff, like whatever. But also like, I'm, this is not me making excuses. This is something I feel like that's like very valid. Is like it's ninety four point four nine percent. By the way, is their average? Okay, so like some of these people or some of these like recruits that were four and five stars, especially in the COVID years, which is yeah. like we're talking about junior and seniors. It's so far off, and some of the people that weren't recruited because I mean, you you we you and I went to the same high school, just very many different yeah. years apart, and like you talk about like how many how important it is for high school seniors to have high school senior tape, right? Like mm. your senior year and like, and everything is moved up so much quicker now because you have the early signing day and you have like when you're allowed to take your visits and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like for there's a number of reasons why the, the, the Bama dynasty is starting to decline. I don't hold on to like the, 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 the all, like the roster composite thing cracks me up because like you'll hear fans all the time being like, Oh, they're getting a Bama bias. And they they were a three star. Now they're a four. Like, or th- this team that, you know, we, we actually develop our talent. Like this guy's a sleeper. Like I don't, all of those numbers are based off of like white dudes named William that are watching tape thousands of hours a week of kids that are like, like grainy ass high school footage and being like four star. Like, I, you know, like there's so much that goes into it. People complain about recruiting services 
And then they want to hang on to this when it's like, well, Bama's not good. You know how embarrassing it is? They have the best recruits of all time. But it's like I hear the same anti that argument. In the I'm not explaining this well, but I, I believe it in my bones. Mm. <laughs> I can't stand it. Bama fans just being like, actually, it's a mirage. Like, actually, this talent's mean? a mirage. I'm not putting I'm not uh survey says denied. Chris Marler can't can't Terrible. accept it from a Bama fan. Just can't do okay. it. Um, is it true you were always a Tim Gustafson guy over Jeff Rancor? When did I? No, I never. I pl- listen. I'm not. I'm not doing this to you right now. In what sport? I mean, any. No. Remember I mean, how big of a deal it was that he took twelve? And I remember I asked my. I think I asked my my grandpa. I was like, "Why is he? Is he allowed to have 12? Like, I was like, "Why is he getting 12? Was he? I thought he was seven. Was he twelve? No, he, remember, it became a, a whole thing. It was like a passing of the elite number. But yeah, Gustafson was twelve. Who was twelve my year? Mm. Oh, four. Did they, they probably just stopped are you sure it wasn't Gustafson? Gustafson was a year year older than me, so that was a three. Okay. Um, I will say that like because he was still number seven, or he was like he might be like twenty three or something in baseball. I don't. I think he was number seven, mm. but like very very good pitcher. Yeah. Very, very good pitcher. He was a limited athlete. I think he ran like a 7-160. Jeff was like a 6-5 guy, 6-6. Six, six. Hmm. Tim Gustafson, man. What is he up to? He made the triple A. He was a he's a Tim was like Tim and I were were good buddies because obviously we, we were closer than me and Jeff, obviously, because Jeff was two years older than me and I wasn't like on those teams. Like I, hmm. I was but Tim and I were were close and and he was a really good dude. And like I like I'm so a lot of those guys from that team were like you know, I think we were kind of limited in some some capacities. We didn't have like the we didn't have Jeff, right? Like mm. that was a tough <laughs> that junior year. We were like twenty four and one, and we got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and it was awful. Man, I know. And now they're just like the best program in the country. You're in, you're out, dude. Like an and absolute like, powerhouse. It, it, like Jeff Jeff Francoeur was like a okay. So like my freshman year was two thousand one. And we won, we won state in 2001, 2002. Mm. And every single starter from that 2002 team played college baseball at some level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 2003, eight of the nine guys that we had played college baseball. The only one that didn't was our center fielder, Joey Sturdivant, who played four years as a starter at SMU at safety mm-hmm. and is now the head football coach at Parkview. Good dude. Like, I like Joey. I love Joey. He's a you great know he's dude. Joe now? Is he? He's Joe. I reached out to him after like before his first game and i was like hey man like just like because he i think he like hit me up on twitter or something and i was like proud of you this is gonna be awesome like whatever rah rah stuff you know to say and he was like hey man i've been watching your comedy on youtube for years and i was like gross that's <laughs> terrible that's terrible stuff um but yeah he's he's a he's he's great man that team was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun i don't know why we're talking about it it's 20 years ago why not part of 20 you. years ago think about that Y'all would not believe how much Marler talks. Like he'll hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. Like, dude, he'll he'll be like, dude, back in my day, like back in 03. Somebody's going to believe this and then repeat it. <laughs> like it, the green flag meant something when I went to school. What is the green flag? Remember the battle for Lilburn? Like no. uh, whoever beat Burkmar. It was uh, the Burkmar Parkview game was the battle for the green flag. For football? Yeah. So this is one thing too, is I wasn't really super. My whole goal when I was like, in high school was to play college baseball. So I didn't really yeah. get into the whole Parkview pride thing. And I like until afterwards I, I left and I realized how big of a deal it was. But I yeah. remember that like, I remember getting interviewed. I got in trouble for this my senior year. Cause they were like asking me about 
Coach Buck, who was in his last year, it was his 30th mm-hmm. year that he was retiring. And he made this comment about how they were like, how big of an honor is it for you? This has to be like the biggest honor in your baseball career. And I was like, no, no, I got like this team I was on and this team. And I was like, but he's been great. Like, but this isn't the end goal for me. Like I want to play in college. And, and, and they were like, why would you say that? And I was like, I was just being honest. And they were like, not okay. Not okay. Yeah, that was a softball, Marler. That was yeah, a. It was. <laughs> In hindsight, it was like, "Hey, man, you really like our coach?" And I was like, "Let me tell you about something else." Yeah, actually, I'm gonna do anything but. Um, <laughs> it's terrible, terrible. It was a good like precursor for uh, your college football uh, media career. It's like you Appreciate think that. it's going one way, and then you're like, "Nope." Mm-mm, Ask Marler a question you don't know where it's going. Like the answer yeah, is going to be sure. completely different than what we. It's a choose your own say. adventure, but it's really me choosing. Yeah, there you no. go um it's like watching a shiloh football game and it's like it's probably not gonna go well you just don't know where it's going you just know it's not gonna go well um chris marler what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at saturday down south and saturday football uncensored this week yeah man i appreciate it um sorry i hijacked most of the questions into nothingness but um no this is good yeah saturday football uncensored the podcast we got a new episode comes out every sunday and wednesday night um, and then we have all of our stuff on YouTube, Saturday down, Saturday down South. Uh, I don't write for the website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, so check that out or don't. I don't really care. Um, but Saturday Football Uncensored is a podcast. Vern Funquist um, on t- Twitter and Instagram. And Coach Buck was mid. I'll say it. Wow. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. He was a great man. He was a great oh man. He got a lot. Wow. It was a joke. It was a callback. I, I mean, I got the callback. You don't have to explain okay. the callback to me, Marler. I just, I was like, you're just going back. I was like, all right, if you want to go there. Coach Buck's I mean, you're just, yeah. Anyway, go Parview. Hell Parview forever. That, I don't know. I'm just rambling now. Sean Dawkins was really good. Chris Marler, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you again soon. See you, dude. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.